Lightning couldn't strike twice. The Rangers started with a bang Tuesday night as the Blue Shirts opened the season with a 3-1 win over the Lightning at a rowdy Madison Square Garden. Molly, how about Mika? Mika Magic. Mika March in October. We love that. Apparently she's writing the headlines and she's writing the stories. How about that? She does it all. (laughs) Everything about it, you couldn't have asked for a better start to the season for the Rangers. It was a pretty blah training camp. Obviously, Jimmy Vesey turned his PTO into a contract, veteran minimum $750,000. Zach Jones handily wins the third pair competition, played his ass off against the Lightning say that Julian Gauthier waved sent to Hartford Jared Tenori waved and picked up by Chicago and Kako earns his first start on the top line and he looked like he belonged there we'll talk about all that and a whole lot more of course the post Larry Brooks will join us in his weekly spot and a bestie a best friend he's in our MySpace top eight he's been on the show eight times MSG Network ESPN Radio New York's Dave Maloney former Ranger captain is going to join us it's Larry Brooks Molly Walker Jake Brown Dave Maloney all coming up next on a 1-0 edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post you ready? Showtime on May 3rd summer starts with the fall guy what are you doing later? let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13. back to up in the blue seats our new york rangers podcast from the new york post those highlights you heard are courtesy of espn the new york rangers molly are one and oh a rowdy madison square garden we got a busy show coming at you today it's jake brown here the queen of the post new york rangers beat writer for the new york post molly walker is there in just a few minutes we'll be joined by our hall of fame hockey writer larry brooks who is also in the building and later on dave maloney One of the voices of the Rangers on ESPN Radio, New York, MSG Network, of course, and former Rangers captain. What a start to the season. It was drawn up perfectly. The lightning, revenge, lightning ain't striking twice, Molly. A packed house, a rowdy house. Energy was there, and it was Mika night. You almost had hats thrown on the ice last night, and a hell of a start to the Rangers season. Yeah, I mean, undefeated. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it was it was a, just about as good of a start to the season that the Rangers could have possibly asked for. There's just a lot of things that went right. Just like you said, Mika Zibanejad, one goal away from a hat trick. But he didn't even need the hat trick. He just was an absolute menace on special teams in every aspect. And, you know, that's all you could really ask from your number one center. And I think that in talking to Mika Zibanejad early on in training camp about about what happened in the first round of the playoffs against Sidney Crosby and, you know, how much was made of what they did to him in that series, how they took him out of it for the most part until the end, and how he really just needed to remind himself of the kind of player that he knows that he can be and what 
his opponents should have to be afraid of. I mean, boy, did he give the rest of the NHL a reminder last night. And I wrote about that. I mean, just a really good start to the season for him. But obviously, all he cared about was the win. The defense was great. Special teams was great. Really, you just you couldn't have started the season on a higher note than that, for sure. I mean, they didn't make much of the fact that it was the lightning on the other end of the ice. And that's not something that head coach Gerard Gallant would ever do in general. So that just speaks to the Rangers mindset. And I think that's a good thing. It wouldn't have mattered who was on the other end of the ice. A win to start the season is a win to start the season. What did you feel about the energy last night? Did it feel like a playoff kind of atmosphere? Playoff atmosphere in game one of 82. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but it was loud. I will say it was it was really loud. And I mean, why wouldn't it be loud? They definitely had a lot to cheer for. Uh, it was awesome when they put the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo, two-run homer on the Jumbotron. The whole building went nuts, but not as nuts as they went when legendary goaltender Henrik Lundqvist came on the on the Jumbotron. So obviously he was in attendance. It was it was a really good night. It was a really, really good start to the season for the Rangers in all aspects, 100%. As we talk more about the Rangers, and we'll talk about Vitaly Kraftsov as well, we're going to now welcome in our Rangers Hockey Hall of Fame writer, Larry Brooks. He is in the building with us now on Zoom. Good morning, Larry. Morning. Vitaly Kraftsov, let's start there. Day to day, what's what's the injury status here? We're all day to day, are we not, Jake? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, if there's any more information. It will come at practice. The Rangers uh, generally aren't liberal with dispensing information. I, you know, I, I would, I don't want to guess, but it wouldn't wouldn't be surprising if he misses a game or so, or maybe not. Honestly, we're we're uh, you know just speculating here. So this is a good transition into what you wrote about last night, Larry. Probably the one negative to come out of the Rangers season opening win, but it is completely warranted. The Rangers are already potentially down to down two forwards in Sammy Blay and Vitaly Krasov, like we just mentioned. Just how difficult of a situation are the blue shirts in cap-wise when it comes to the roster? Uh, honestly, Chris Jory is walking a tightrope here, and seven minutes into the season illustrates exactly why. The Rangers just don't have enough space to accommodate injuries, um, both literally and figuratively as you, as you look ahead to the deadline. I, I mean, they went into the season with about $155,000, $185,000 in cap space. So if you run in with a max roster, so if you run into injuries, they don't even have enough space now with two guys down to bring in a replacement. But that's, um, that's almost secondary to the fact that every day the Rangers are not able to save cap space means that they have less space available at the deadline at a cruise. If you start with a million on opening night, you basically have 4.65 million to spend um, at the deadline. We know things happen during the season um, and the Rangers need to get to the point where they have between five and six million dollars available at the deadline. If there's any chance to get Patrick Kane, that's just the way it is. And Patrick Kane is the guy who fits perfectly into the Rangers as a rental. You know, we can we can discuss what they should give up, you know, how much is worth to get a rental, because that's what it would be. Because we know the cap situation going forward is bad, too. But the Rangers have to be in the game for Patrick Kane. And right now they're not. They, they're just out of it. They, they will have almost no space at the deadline unless they can get down to 22 right away. And two injuries makes it almost impossible for them to do that. Um, you know, last year they had space. They had a lot of space last year. They also had good fortune during the season. None of their top guys 
except for Kako, missed an appreciable amount of time. And a number of the players who even missed three or four games missed it because of COVID. You know, they, they really had a good run. They had a great run of health last year during the season. You, you can't count on that to happen. We know how good their training staff is. We know, you know, but every team works hard in, you know, in training and protecting their players. Um, you know, there's there's luck involved in that. And, you know, right now, apparently minor injuries to Sammy Blay and, and probably to Kravtsov, but even minor injuries now become, uh, you know, become major in, in the cap situation. And I know that, you know, fans want just to read a celebratory piece about the opening night win, but, you know, th- there's more to it than the, just that. I mean, celebrate the win, but be aware that this is an issue the Rangers are going to have to face all year. And there may even be games this year where they, they play a man short. You can't start the season. And and many teams have. You you can't start the season with, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in, in cap space. It's it's just too tricky. Can I just say how much I've gotten a kick out of how much conversation there's been around the Rangers and Patrick Kane, and we are literally in game one of 82 of the season. No, I, know. I, I just think it's hilarious. And I also thought it was hilarious how you put in your predictions with an asterisk that the Rangers <laughs> would go further if they do acquire Patrick Kane at the trade deadline. And I know a lot of people got a kick out of that too. Uh, that's true. You know, it, it's funny because I actually started writing about, or I brought up the Patrick Kane scenario I think last November um, it was it was early in last season because you know what because it's just such a perfect fit it's a per- he's a perfect fit for anybody but you know let's make that clear but he's a perfect fit with Artemi Panera he just is I mean he he is uh, you know as as much as uh, he and Ryan Strom as, as much as Panera and Ryan Strom were close and and you know our friends there's never been a line mate who ha- you know who has been as simpatico with with Panarin as Patrick Kane. And so, you know, if you're looking for a right wing to plug in, you know, with Panarin and Trocek, it's Patrick Kane. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I was talking to, to Artemi Panarin just about when he first came into the league. And I was actually just asking him about how he learned English and, and things like that. Um, Cause I was trying to compare it to Vitaly Kravtsov. And he was telling me how once he, once he got on a line with Patrick Kane, he thought to himself, you know, I want to be so good with this guy that they can't ask me to do anything because that man absolutely hated going to his hour sessions of English classes and he just <laughs> didn't want to do it. So he thought to himself, I'm just going to light it up with Patrick Kane. So nobody yeah. can ask me to do anything. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's too good. Well, maybe we will see our, Timmy Panarin and Patrick Kane reunited at some point. We'll see. But moving on, the Rangers defense looked pretty good last night. And Zach Jones fit right in and made the most of his first game. But again, we're going with another negative. But you have to feel for Libor Hayek, I feel. Can the Rangers really put him through another season of just sitting in the press box? What do you expect to happen when it comes to Libor Hayek? I don't think so. I, I honestly, I, I think uh, I think everyone recognizes that. I think Chris Drury recognizes that. He's a former player. Libor um, is a great teammate. Works hard. You you can't you can't uh, as an organization uh, you know put a player's career on hold basically for two years. I had actually expected before before the opener. I had expected Hayek to get into one of the next two games, the back-to-back games. I don't know whether – I mean, Zach Jones had a very strong game last night, and his pair with with uh, Braden Schneider was, uh, you know, was pretty good as a third pair. They were solid. They were up the ice. 
Kravtsov um, goes it, down, he jumps on the power play, which yeah, is right, that's his right, spot. Which, right. Which which actually I think if Zach Jones is on the team, you use Zach Jones on the power play. Now the second power play, you know, got very little time last night, and it's not going to get that much time during the season. Last night was a little absurd. I I didn't really wasn't able to get into the breakdown, but you know, the, the first power play uh was on like like for like a minute 49, a minute you know, minute 38, you know, so, but the point is, I'm sure the second power play unit will be integrated, you know, more as, as, as games go on. And one of Zach Jones' greatest attributes is the ability to run the power play. That's his forte. So if you have Zach Jones on the team, I think he should be on, on the power play, you know, Kravtsov or not. But getting back to Hayek, I, I had expected Hayek to get into one of the, one, one of these next two games, because I, I think that there is an awareness from management, there's an awareness from the coaching staff that they're not going to be able to keep, you know, Leibor as to play him in 15, you know, 20 games. The other, but the other issue is again, we talk about depth. The Rangers don't have much organizational depth now on D. I don't think Matt Robertson had the training camp anyone was was hoping for. Um, listen, he's a, he's a very young player. Um, not everyone develops as quickly as Andre Miller, as quickly as Braden Schneider, as quickly as Adam Fox, even although Fox was a little bit older. So it, it's not that, you know, Matthew Robertson is a disappointment, but I think he was expected to c- compete, you know, for that job. And he really didn't, maybe because Jones and, and Hayek are just better players and more experienced players. But the Rangers really can't give Hayek away either because one injury there and who's playing? Even Jared Tenorti, who, you know, is a reasonable eight. You know, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd want Jared Tenorti to play, you know, 30 games for you. The Jared Tenorti could play, you know, if, if it were an emergency, Jared Tenorti could come up and play five or six games, I guess. Um, but he was claimed on waivers. And so they don't even have that as a safety net. So again, you know, I mean, the Rangers look like a, they are a solid unit, but there's not much behind it right now. And the cap situation plays into it. So I expect them to be fair with Libor, but he may sit for a little bit. And and then again, jury's in a tough spot, very tough spot, because you have to have a seventh D who can come and play. So I'm not sure. On a little bit more of a positive note, you also had a pretty interesting conversation with Chris Kreider the other day that you were telling me about. Obviously, he's the longest tenured guy on the team. He's a huge part of it, named Mr. Ranger. And you briefly touched on Jacob Truba getting named captain with a guy that a lot of the fan base thought it should be. So how did that convo go? Oh, it was, you know, Chris, I, I, you know, I always enjoy talking to Chris. He's um, um, he's an intelligent, perceptive person who expresses himself very well. And we were talking about the season and, and we we're talking about his year. And this was a year where he won the Mr. Ranger Award. He is the senior member of the team. A large portion of the fan base has believed he should be captain for years. But you look and you look at the number of times, you know, he was, you know, the, the opportunities they had to name him captain, the years where they went without one and they didn't. And then obviously Truba. So I asked him, I, I, I asked him if that had ever really been a goal of his, um, you know, to be captain of the Rangers when he joined the team. Did he ever think, oh, I want to be captain of this team? And, you know, now apparently, you know, it's 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 kind of fine. It, you know, it's been finalized that he won't be captain of the team. So I asked him if he ever if, if he might ever look back and think of that as a hole in his resume. 
And he immediately said, yeah, you know, he was, you know, he uh, recoiled actually from the suggestion and then said, no, he said, uh, you know, first, of course, he reiterated his support for Truba, which, which, you know, is sincere. But then, then he said the, uh, the hole in his resume is not winning the Stanley Cup. And he said, that's what he's, he's aiming to rectify this season. And, and I believe that I, I truly believe that I th- I think that, 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 you know, Chris has been in the league now for 10 years. He's gone through a, a metamorphosis. He's gone through a growth. He talked about that. You know, he and I talked about that last year in our one-on-one phone conversation. The he, elusive you know, 101s last right, year. Right. I, I think now he is as comfortable in his own skin and being Chris Kreider as, as any player in the league, you know, is comfortable being himself. So, I you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, anyone would would be honored by being captain of the Rangers. Um, I think Chris would have been honored, but I think he is at a different, you know, he's arrived at a different plane um, where he is um, almost Zen-like, you know, in a number of ways. And so um, it was it was an interesting conversation. It was also interesting when I asked him, you know, had he thought about needing to repeat, you know, 52? Can he get to 50 again? Is that, you know, has that been on his mind? And, you know, it was impossible to get him to talk about 50 last year. I mean, it was impossible. Even I remember the night he got his 50th, he came into the room and there were like three or four questions and no one was asking him. And I remember saying, uh, Chris, you know, uh, you know, 50. And, and he basically said, well, I have good teammates, you know, or something like that. You know, so I asked him about 50 and he started, you know, going, you know, if he could repeat. And he started talking about his season and his approach in a way I've never heard before. He started talking about, he said, I play Moneyball. And I thought, what? And, and I, I was writing it down. I Maybe I didn't hear that correctly. And but he came back to me, he said, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm playing Moneyball. And what he meant was, and he said, he plays the percentages. He said, if I can get to the front a certain percentage of time, if I can get my stick down a certain percentage of time and, and I do the right thing, you know, I'm playing with such great passers that a certain percentage of the time they will be able to get the puck to me. And so a certain percentage of the time the puck will go in. It, it was just fascinating. But that's the way he now breaks it down. And, you know, I was I was watching him last night, you know, in my little isolated <laughs> My, my, my tunnel vision and 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 I could see him you know you could see him. yeah right well he's there now if 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 you know if uh, foxy can get the puck through you know stick is there so I mean you know he's he's a fascinating he's a fascinating uh player to talk to on the on, on the Rangers enjoying that Hall of Famer and future Hall of Famer conversation going on there. I want to ask a big picture question every week, Larry, looking back in your career, you talk about how easy it is to cover Chris Kreider. Who is the most difficult Ranger player you've ever had to cover? I'm sure there's a long list, but I was going to say, I think there is a long list. I've certainly heard of the long list. (laughs) Well, I've gotten along with, with most players. Honestly, I've had really good relationships with, with a number of players. I've had, professional relationships with most players um there have been a few players i just haven't just haven't hit it off with and you know dan boyle and i just never hit it off i mean you know honestly we just never hit it off um not to you know not to revisit you know the past but dan boyle and i just never hit it off and it was apparent from the first day it was you know yeah there was something about me that he didn't like and there was something about him that i didn't appreciate and and so honestly for two years we just you know we we didn't speak very much uh when we did it was it was um it was not pleasant for either one of us and so i i would have to say that he was 
You know, he was probably the toughest. And what was interesting about it is that when he was in Tampa and, and, and somewhat in Dallas too, when he was in Tampa, he was one of the best players I'd ever seen. I mean, one of the best defensemen I'd ever seen. I mean, he would rush the puck. You know, he was Tampa's version of, of, of you know, not quite as good in the defensive zone, but he was, you know, Tampa's version of, um, you know, Brian Leach or, or Scott Niedermeyer. He's not, you know, not on that level, but he, he was on a Hall of Fame track in Tampa. I, I can't count the number of times I wrote the Rangers should get Dan Boyle. The Rangers should get Dan Boyle. And when Tampa forced him to waive his no trade clause or no move clause, whichever it was, um, they actually pulled the same thing on Boyle as, as they did on McDonough, where they said, hey, you've got a no trade, but if you don't waive it, we're going to put you on waivers and you're going to wind up going to a team you don't want to play on. And so he went to Dallas. But I remember writing, because at that time I was I was close to his agent also, I remember writing, you know, if Tampa's forcing Dan Boyle out, he should only you know, say he wants to come to the Rangers. And you know, you know, for me, it was a case of, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't work. You know, the chemistry just, you know, just didn't work. Molly, you're off to Minnesota and Winnipeg. Are you going to both or are you just going to Minnesota, Molly? Both. Larry, any recommendations for the young Molly, what to do in Minnesota and Winnipeg? Young Molly has, has young Molly has a different, uh, different set of priorities at this point in her life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think young Molly might be able to tell me where to go. <laughs> in I appreciate that. We have a good time. The Minnesota's fun because it's the St. Paul Hotel. It's like one of the most iconic places to stay there. And it's very old timey and. It's just, it's good vibes all around. So I always look forward to going to Minnesota and it's recommended by Larry. Recommended yes. By, recommended yeah. by Larry. I always ask Larry what hotels I should well, stay what, in. What does she eat? What, what's the dinner spot? I mean, cause all I know is mall of America and now the hotel. What else? There's a restaurant in the hotel actually. That's, that's really restaurant. good. Yeah. We went to it pregame last season, Vince Collin and I, and like, we had steak. Like we had like a steak dinner before before the game, which really, what more could you ask for? <laughs> no, the, the St. Paul the, the St. Paul Hotel has a great steakhouse. The bar the, the bar is one of the great bars actually in 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 the country. And and I'm, I'm not a I'm I'm not you know I am not an aficionado of scotch, and I don't really drink hard liquor. But I know that people who do point to the to the Colin. Bar. Colin likes it. Colin, when I first started going on the road with Colin, Colin told me he was he was experimenting with brown liquids. <laughs> the way that he phrased it. That can mean it. so many things that I, I, know, I don't even want to go down that I path. Yeah, that's the way he phrased it. And I remember being like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, you're a wine guy, I feel like. Well, yeah, wine. He's yeah. a martini guy is what he is. Yeah. yeah. Classic. <laughs> that's, that's a Hall of Famers do it. A little glass. Yes, little it martini. is. martini. I like it. No scotch in this household. <laughs> NYP underscore Brooksy is where you follow him on Twitter. Read his stories in the New York Post and NYPost.com. Larry, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks. Safe trip, Molly. This is what I expected from our group tonight. It really is. And, and I thought all those young kids played like men tonight. So our team looked like a different team than we did last year, early in the year. All righty. Joining us now on Up in the Blue Seats is a good friend of the program, now making his Guinness Book World Record eighth appearance. <laughs> Since we launched Up in the Blue Seats in the fall of 2019, he's a former Ranger captain spending 11 seasons with the Blue Shirts from 74 to 85. 
You can now catch him, of course, on 98.7 ESPN Radio, calling these Ranger games as well as MSG Network this season. He's at home. He's on the road. He's back in the saddle. Let's welcome back the only Rangers player ever, and I can't confirm this, to also work at a wine shop in Connecticut. Just going to guess that you're the only one. Dave Maloney, welcome to the back to the show, Dave. How you doing? Well, I'm doing well, Jake. And uh, Molly, it's always great to see you. I uh, see Molly regularly, which is a good thing. So it's all good. The uh, Got up to a rip-roaring start last night. Boy, was that building electric or what? It wasn't it, right? Oh, we were man. talking about that earlier. It was loud. It, it was, was really loud. loud. I mean, well, why wouldn't it be? There was so much to cheer for. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, you go back a year ago, and I, I really thought that over the course of the season, you, you really got the vibe that people were happy just to be out. And and after the dealing with the pandemic, and then I do give kudos to the uh, Rangers in-house entertainment staff. They've done a tremendous job of engaging from uh, you know, from not even puck drop prior to puck drop to the end. And, you know, whether it's the karaoke cam or uh, some other goofy thing they've got going, but the crowd seems to buy into it. It's just, uh, it really has become an electric building and the team style is pretty good too. I was going to say, are you a big fan of the DJ performances in between periods? <laughs> are you, are you, in, are you in your booth? In the booth <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're giving the all, no, no. My, my children would cringe if they were sounding good and stuff like that. So, no, but it's all fine. It's just a great, and it really does start with their style of play. I mean, their style of play is entertaining. It's engaging. And uh, it really is. A lot of times you say, you know, they talk about the world's most famous arena. And uh, I do know being down at sideline for some of the sideline work that I do that every team that comes in there is fired up to play at the garden. So, and the Rangers is a pretty good team now. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get into it with you, Dave. Um, I guess it would be inappropriate to start anywhere else, but with the newly named captain, Jacob Truba, as a former captain yourself, what have you noticed about Jacob Truba that you think will make him a good captain? You know what, Molly, it was last year, again, we, we didn't have access to the players that we traditionally w- would have had you know, prior to COVID. So you can only kind of surmise by what you hear and talking to people. But it sure looked like I thought he and Kreider both became much, much more comfortable in their skin, much more comfortable in who they are. Uh, and they were assuming the mantle of veteran players. And it sure sounded like uh, when uh, Jacob uh, stood up to be heard, he was heard. And I also think, too, you know, the franchise has gone through four or five years of a rebuild or remodel or whatever you want to call it. And it does take time for chemistry to evolve in a room. And I think in any group, you know, there are people that kind of take the lead, either vocally loud or uh, quietly observing. And I think it's important. I think it's important that there is a hierarchy. And I know I texted him when he uh, was named captain and I congratulated him. And I did think that uh, they got the right guys. So, and as far as the role of captain, it certainly has evolved. I think Mark Messier just took it to another level uh, as far as what it meant for this franchise to be uh, a captain. But uh, I was surprised there's only 28 in the history of the franchise. And that surprised me. Uh, the exclusive group. <laughs> yeah, really. So all in all, I think. And then, you know what? He had a tremendous year last year. And I do know you're a lot better captain, the better player you are. And if your game can match up to the things that you perform uh, off ice. So, boy, what a start. You know, I think it was five or six shots on goal, 25 minutes of ice time, three or four big hits, and uh, just a commanding presence. I feel like you're speaking from experience there. What, what was the toughest part about being captain for you? 
Well, it, you know, it's about a thousand years ago that that happened for me. So I think I wasn't quite mature enough yet to take it beyond the emotion of who I was. I would bark probably louder and bite louder than probably called for. You know, it was all fine and dandy the year we went to the finals my first year. And we had a we had a fairly solid veteran group like they do now. I, I was privy to guys like John Davidson and Phil and Walter Kachuk and Carol Badney, God rest his soul. And, and so I, I think the hardest part moving forward was just managing my own emotions in a more positive way where it wasn't quite so critical. But I was only 21, 22, and, you know, Jacob's 27, 28. He's a 10-year veteran of the league now. It's, it's, a, it's a role that's traditionally been important. I think it's still important. But I do think experience uh, is good. I, I believe I just wasn't quite experienced enough to handle the overall picture. But it was sure fun being one of the 28, and I'll milk that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's I, can't, I just can't picture you being quick to bite and quick to, <laughs> quick to bark. I just, it just doesn't seem like you, Dave, but yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, well, I was, uh, I was wound a little tight in those days. Yeah, anyway, naturally, all it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Shifting kind of to the, the team narrative, I guess, this season, you went all the way to the Cup in your third season in 78, 79, what can you remember about the expectations that hovered over the team after that and how it affected you, if at all? Because this Rangers team is obviously facing the type of expectations that they haven't in so long. And I feel like it went from zero to 100 real quick. Like it went from, you know, last season, it was just kind of like the ultimate goal was just to qualify for the playoffs. And now it's it's building upon last season's run, which the only way to go is up from the Eastern Conference final is the Stanley Cup final. So it's pretty lofty expectations. So what is it like when that kind of expectations are hovering over the team? Did you notice it? Well, you know what, Molly, it's such a different, it's interesting to hear you speak and thinking back. The, the one thing, although there's probably a 20 to 25% roster turnover now, then they, you know, you lose Strom, you lose Cop, you lose Vetrano. But that season, we lost four guys. The World Hockey so, uh, was coming in to existence. We lost four guys in the dispersal draft. And then early in the season, they made the big trade for Barry Beck. And that took three other guys off our roster. So that was seven guys that participated in a run that was not so much unlike last season, but totally unexpected. You know, we beat the Islanders. So... Of course, you can't help but expect good things when you're coming off of good things. But I think the difference for these two, the two, if we compare the two stories, the core of the group, uh, John Davidson got hurt. He wasn't quite the same goalie. Now you're coming back with Shesterkin. There were an awful lot of good reasons to think that this team was going to have a chance to, to kind of build on the expectations. But when you have success, you can't help but think that you're going to be better. I think that's the biggest difference of the two teams going back. That the and Chris Drury, uh, Freddie Shiro, and Mickey Keating were a year into their management positions. Freddie had a couple of issues that would um, debilitate his uh, presence around. And but the manager is strong here. There was just so many things stayed in place. Well, you got to move Kako. You got to move this. You got to move somebody to create room. And I give Drury and his staff credit. They. You know, they did have to fill some holes. But by and large, when you look at the pieces that were there, you start with the best goaltender in the league. And the captain now has come into his own. But a guy we'd never talk about is Adam Fox. 
two years removed from the Norris. And Mika Zibanejad, all, all of a sudden, is now maybe in the top five, for sure top 10 center ice in the league, and Kreider. There are a lot of reasons to be expectant with this group. Uh, I think the consistency of, of the personnel would be the major difference between our team in 79 and this group heading forward. Zeroing on defense a little bit, through the exhibition games and the opener, who do you feel like has stood out to you on the back end and why? Uh, Keanu, but which is not, and I, I don't want this to be specific gender related, but there were two um, MSG sales women at our golf outing that had an opportunity to speak to Keanu uh, uh, up close and personal, and they swooned <laughs> in the back end. Now, as far as his play, I, I had thought, first of all, his evolution as a young defenseman um, has been spectacular. And, you know, when you think of all the picks that they've had between 17 and, and up to Lafreniere, and Offman looks like he's going to be a player too. You hope you get a, a, a one horse out of the deal, you know, and two or three other guys that can play. And I remember thinking and observing last year that that horse might be Miller. Uh, he's going to play big minutes. Um, he just, he's a wonderful skater. He's become that much more confident in all elements of the game. And I just think that, um, you know, the upside for him, the deal that they're going to have to figure out is how to pay him <laughs> moving forward, which is really not a bad thing. He's got wonderful feet. He's learning with a, a good group of, of defenders. I just think that on the back end, you know, Fox is going to be Fox. Watch him last night. When you watch him, you think, well, but when you really watch him, he does so many things, so subtle. Uh, he continues to impress. I completely agree. I think he just, he looks a year older. He's playing like he's a year older and, and with experience now, you know, he told me that the game just really slowed down a lot for him from year one to year two and, and the reach that he has on him, how lethal can that be in this league? Well, you know what, uh, to Molly is he gives himself a chance to use his reach in a more effective way by getting where he's supposed to be. You know, a lot of guys will be a half a stride late and try and use that reach. But what Keandre does is he gets there. He's like Lindgren. Lindgren gets there. He gets there, and then he makes the defensive move. He's not cheating by not getting there. And I thought all, especially there's some young kids. I watched the Brunswick school. They had a couple of big, long defensemen. And, you know, you should watch. Watch Keandre Miller. Just watch how he gets there. And then that reach becomes that more effective because he gets there. You know what? He's just the upside for him. And when you consider really at 14 and 15, he had uh, took the year off basically to work on his skating. And it's too easy to think that it's all athleticism, but he's very athletic and smart, uses his assets very, very well. I'm just really excited to be able to watch him going down the road. They vote for world's sexiest man. Is he on the cover of the Rangers yearbooks as, as the Rangers sexiest man, Dave? Yeah, you know, in this day and age, I can even admit that I kind of swoon when I watch him. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that's hockey related. So, uh, <laughs> but all in all, no, he's, uh, again, he's very representative of a very talented young group. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the one guy, although Kako, Kako's making strides, Heedle's making strides, Lafreniere just turned 21. He's not a man yet. They've got a lot of good stuff going on. Lafay is uh, celebrating at 21 with his first legal drinks last night, I would assume. Maybe he had late to practice this morning, uh, rightfully so. Who knows? Dave, you're on the road now. Is the wine, is it goodbye to the wine shop now? 
Uh, no, my hours are a little bit different. Um, I do still get a kick out of going in there. I'm usually in there on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but uh, yesterday was game day and today was travel games. So I still get a kick out of it, though. It's uh, an awful lot of fun. Going the in world's hardest working man from the wine <laughs> shop to the garden. That's going to be this, a Netflix yeah. special in the making, Dave Maloney. Yeah. Really lucky. Um, it's, you know, I don't consider what I do uh, work in this uh, business of, of following a team around and flying and traveling the way we do. And I get the best seat in the house right behind Molly and uh, yeah. garden. And uh, it's just a terrific, terrific life. And I'm just happy to be there's still times I walk around and go, gosh, I can't believe I'm still here. Yeah. And I'm still here. <laughs> well, you do a great job. And I imagine like Molly and Larry have said, you're enjoying being back in the locker room, the access you're on the flight with these guys. You're kind of get to know these guys on a personal level beyond a zoom screen, which has got to be, you know, it adds value to your job. You could break things down better. You could be more of the expert that you are. Right. Yeah. The big thing, Jake, is just get, Getting to know them, like the X's and O's are pretty common, especially the, you know hockey guys. Uh, there's not that many different things. I often think about the clip they run with uh, uh, Emil Francis in the locker room again. They're playing Chicago, and it's in the early sixth, and he's talking about you know being hard on the puck, take the man, move the puck. You know, it's really, you know, I don't know, fifty years, sixty some odd years later, we basically talk about the same thing. So, but really, it's just getting comfortable. And having them be comfortable, too, with guys like myself and Joe and Sam and Molly and the people that so just you're just not that kind of loud mouth that's uh, talking about things without um, really getting to know somebody. So that's fun. I enjoy that. I really do enjoy just getting to know the guys a little bit better. You can watch and listen to Dave Maloney on MSG Network on 98.7 FM ESPN Radio New York. All season long, follow him on Twitter at Dave Maloney MSG. Dave, looking forward to checking back in with you. We got to get you to double digits. So you got appearance nine and appearance 10, and then maybe we'll get to a dozen just for the sake of a dozen donuts, and then we'll close it off there. But Dave Maloney, thanks for coming on up in the blue seats. Talk to you soon. Well, thanks, Jake and Molly. Thank you both. You keep up the good work. And sure, I'd love to come on anytime uh, you need an old guy to attract an older audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is the Dave. New York Post. We do need the old guys. You know how it is. <laughs> thanks, All Dave. Right, gang. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Definitely missed this. Just what we got to experience last year and then and come back and get this opening night. Uh, Give a lot of energy for sure. Everybody loves him. He's a, he's a great player, a great teammate, and uh, he really, really had a great playoffs. And obviously coming out and starting like that, uh, he's, a, he's a special player. All right, Molly, great insight there from Larry Brooks. Great stuff from Dave Maloney. You know, if you need your wine recommendations and hockey talk, go to Dave Maloney. That wraps up episode 97, the Matt Gilroy edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Catch up on all episodes by subscribing on Up in the Blue Seats, by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, and at Jake Brown Radio. Molly, two weeks into the show. I know we got some uh, tweets and some reaction to the surprise news last week, and uh, I'll address it now that I am not replacing anyone. I am an anchor. This is the Molly Walker and Larry Brooks show with a rainbow sprinkle of Jake and a whole lot of special guests. So I am not replacing anyone who ever played for the Rangers. 
I'm just the guy that hosts podcasts who's been doing it 10 years and is pretty damn good at it, Mom. Uh, I like the way that you phrase that, a little rainbow sprinkle. You are a rainbow sprinkle, Jake. Oh, thank you. I, a lot of people call it Jimmy's in Boston. I know. As someone that went to school in Massachusetts for four years, I am very well aware that they call it Jimmy's and it is the weirdest thing in the world. Sorry if there are any Massachusetts natives listening to this podcast. Yeah, can you tweet us at Molly Walker, at Jake Renner, let us know where the Jimmy's, I'm, I don't care enough to look it up, but where did the origination of the word Jimmy's come from? I just don't get it. They are rainbow sprinkles. They are chocolate sprinkles. I am a rainbow guy. I'm just all colors of the rainbow. I wear eclectic clothing uh, <laughs> that you find at your local thrift stores. Uh, we'll be back next week. Molly, you are hitting the road for the first time this season. We talked about it with Larry, Minnesota, Winnipeg. He didn't give us any Winnipeg recommendations, but uh, I hope you find your way around uh, the fine streets of Canada. My suggestion for Winnipeg is to stay indoors. Stay safe. For Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, Dave Maloney, I'm the Father Jake Brown. We'll return next Thursday with another new episode of Up in the Blue Seats. Enjoy a couple more home games. You got the Ducks Monday, and then we'll be back before the next home game after that against the Sharks next Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and stay safe. We'll talk to you next time. We'll be happy if we play 82 of those, I think.